Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome, tennis fans, to KickServeRadio.com 2024, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, featuring International Tennis Hall of Famer, former world number one, Mats Vlander, and Texas Longhorn all-time great, two-time All-American Johnny Levine. Today's show also features a special edition of KickServe Rocks with Ariel Speedwagon's main man, Kevin Cronin. Your host of KickServeRadio.com is Andy Zoden. So, take it away, AZ. And take it away, I will. Hello, everybody. 2024 is here, and we are back and better than ever. This is the debut of KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and we are bringing out the big guns today. Obviously, we're always joined by our featured superstar, Seven-time Grand Slam champion, former number one in the world, International Tennis Hall of Famer, Mats Vlander. We're also joined by Texas Longhorn Hall of Honor member, two-time All-American, Johnny Levine. He'll be joining us a little bit later in the show. And our resident rock star, we are joined by Kevin Cronin for an episode of Kick Serve Rocks. That's part of this show as well. So we're coming out of the gates blasting. Right now, it's just me and Matt. Matt, happy new year. Great to be getting together again in 2024. Yeah, happy new year, Andy. Um, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, I didn't make any new year's resolutions that I, that I, can't, uh, that I can't live up to. I'm going to stay in shape. I realized that that's what it takes is to stay in shape for as long as you can, because at the end, and I realize the older I get, the more I need to be that athlete that I once was, because that's me. Uh, and that makes me feel good about myself. I'm trying to keep myself as healthy as possible and then play as much tennis and ski and do as many things as I possibly can that makes me feel good. Uh, it sounds selfish, but it's a necessity, I think, to be able to play tennis at 60 years old in front of people at times. Well, I'm going to say this. I'm going to tell the world that it is the furthest thing from selfish because what you're doing is that you're staying in shape so that when you go and you do these tennis events that I have been so fortunate in the last few years to have been able to accompany you to and work with you on, it's like going to a Bruce Springsteen concert when you are out on the tennis court and you're the hardest working guy on the court and these people see how much you're putting into it that alone is so incredibly inspiring to all of the students whose lives you touch. So for you to stay in shape, as far as I'm concerned, you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for your family, and you are doing it for the tennis community at large, those of us that have the good fortune of being anywhere near a tennis court with you. So my New Year's resolution for you is that you just stay the absolutely healthiest version of yourself, which unfortunately runs counter to what we are now seeing from the great Rafael Nadal. We were so hopeful that he was going to be able to start and complete this comeback. We've seen Roger do it. We've seen Rafa do it. We've seen him come back from injury. We've seen Novak come back from injury. And we had hoped that Rafael Nadal would at least be a relevant competitor in the Australian Open. And unfortunately, more injuries. The comeback is cut short. What are your thoughts? I would say that I think we have to be a little bit careful. I think Roger Federer could have traveled around the globe and played a tournament. He could have played in Indian Wells and maybe won a round or two and then goes to his favorite tournaments throughout his career, go to them and play. And I think Roger Federer could have been okay as in losing to someone that maybe people haven't heard of. With Rafa Nadal, that's first of all, that's not him. That's not his personality. He's going to go absolutely full. He He's going to be uh, passionately involved in every in in every point in in every situation. So for me, the legacy 
I don't need to see Rafa Nadal be out there uh, and create more memories for me. That's not necessary. Uh, I don't need to see him play again. I would love to see him contend at the French Open, of course. But his legacy lives on through players that show passion in the most positive way possible. Rafa Nadal, uh, I would say, is the greatest fighter that we've seen on a tennis court uh, because he showed his emotions. And when I see the likes of Carlos Alcaraz getting emotionally involved in a tennis match, when I see Stefano Tsitsipas be emotionally involved, that's the legacy that I see Rafa Nadal. They're, they're carrying him forwards by trying to be like him because literally that's the blueprint for how you should behave on a tennis court. We don't see players come out and try to play like Roger Federer because it's too complicated, even though it's simple. But it's easier to be and try and behave like Rafa Nadal. And and I'm going to say, oh, look, he must have watched Rafa Nadal when he grew up because that's his legacy to me. Uh, And I'll be very happy if I don't see him play a competitive match again. I've seen enough, but he lives on through the other players that show positive emotions. I saw on social media, Matt's, when it was announced that Rafa would be withdrawing from the Australian Open, somebody make the comment, yeah, for that matter, Connors, Borg, and Nastasi aren't going to be playing in the Australian Open either, which is indicative of at least um, some sentiment out there that his best days are behind him, and maybe they feel the same way. Maybe they weren't as eloquent and positive about it as you just were in, in alluding to how great of a legacy he's got. Maybe some people are just like, okay, I get it. I've seen it. Now, if we're looking at 2024, what is the best case scenario, in your opinion, for the men's game to really reignite itself? Not to the extent where the big three were doing what they were doing, because that's a that's a once in two centuries kind of situation. But what do we hope to see? Is it Sinner, Alcaraz? You know, maybe an American player uh, and, 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 and then one of the other contenders in the semis of a mate. Like, what do we want to see as tennis fans that's going to be the best thing for the game? Yeah, so I was on a, on a board uh, with uh, former players uh, and we were working for the ATP, actually. And we would have these meetings with John McEnroe, uh, Leighton Hewitt, Carlos Moya, uh, me. Uh, there's a couple of other guys that sort of same same Boris Becker was there as well. Um, and we were all talking about, oh, what's going to happen when the big three are gone or the big four? Because at one point, they go, is tennis going to be in trouble? And Leighton Hewitt said, no, they're not going to be in trouble. We might not have those kind of champions, but it's rivalries. The tennis fan likes to see rivalries. And to me... Sinner and Alcaraz, they have built this rivalry that is so highly anticipated. And it's not because they don't like each other. It's not because the contrast of style, like a Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal, there was a contrast of style that was incredible between the two. Sinner and Alcaraz, together on a tennis court, they're playing our game at a level that we haven't seen. And I will include Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic. What they do on a tennis court when they play each other is so fast. It's so powerful. And it's with such great sportsmanship. Uh, And I think those are the kind of situations that we're looking forward to, the anticipation of great rivalries. They have started one. Um, And of course, even Stefano Tsitsipas and Daniil Medvedev have something going. So I think that it's it's happening. Um, And I don't think, yes, we're going to miss Roger and Rafa and Novak, of course. But I think tennis will be okay. It always has been. And I think it'll be okay because of the confrontation between two athletes. And some of them are more special than others. But to me, Andy, that's what I'm looking forward to. Okay, so that brings me to this question. Obviously, you mentioned Sinner and you mentioned Alcaraz, and that one goes without saying. Not having Nick Kyrgios in this mix with this group of players, I think, really hurts the game. It it, it helps the game in some way. It doesn't help the game. It hurts the game. Because love him or hate him, he's must-watch television. I mean, it's kind. Nick Kyrgios is kind of the Howard Stern of the sport of tennis. Because if you remember the movie Private Parts, they made mention of the fact 
that the average person that loves Howard Stern would listen to his show for an average of two hours a day. And the person that hated Howard Stern would listen to his show for an average of four hours a day. So I think Nick Curios has a similar effect on our sport. So imagine a, a major semifinal with Alcaraz center Curios and Djokovic. So obviously Novak, and if we didn't mention him, you know, we, you know, we would hear an earful from Johnny Levine, who will also be coming on later in the show. But I mean, Novak wins three of the four mats in 2023 and says, why would I, after winning three out of the four, even consider wanting to stop? Now, I saw a little question mark next to his name with regard to the Australian Open. So time will tell on that. But is the ultimate major semifinal inclusive of Novak Djokovic in 2024. Absolutely. And I actually have gone out and said that I thought that he was going to win uh, a career Grand Slam before he's done. Uh, I still think he has a really good chance of winning a career Grand Slam. Remember last year, he was a set away uh, of winning the Wimbledon, and then he would have gone into the U.S. Open, which he then later won. Of course, he lost in the finals to Daniil Medvedev at the U.S. Open when he only had one more match to win. Uh, you know, when you look at the draw and you hear the names, Novak is the favorite in the Australian Open. Novak is the favorite to win the first. French Open again. Novak is clearly the favorite at Wimbledon, even though he lost to Alcaraz, and he's the favorite at the US Open. Now, of course, if Novak shows up, let's keep that in mind. If Novak Djokovic goes on the court, he is ready to play. Now, whether it's 100% or not, that's kind of irrelevant uh, to me and to him. When he goes on the court, it is a, a sports war. So I think we have to count uh, him as the favorite. And I think he has a good chance of winning all four. Remember this year also, there are the Olympics at Roland Garros in Paris. He hasn't won the gold medal uh, at the Olympics. So I think this year is a huge year for Novak Djokovic in so many ways. But again, he takes it day by day, which is why on the day, Novak is the favorite. I don't care if he plays Alcaraz or Sinner. He's the favorite on that day when you know his opponent. So Novak, to me, he looks as good now, if not even better than when he was 31 years old, five years ago. So there's no reason, and I'm not going out on a limb and I'm not being uh, philosophical and we should say this about, no, Novak is the best player in the world. He's the most cons consistent player and he's the favorite to win all four starting the, this new year. To me, it, it seems like what you're saying is this guy is a guy who knows that he has nothing to prove. He's putting no pressure on himself the rest of his career is on the house's money and he's still as fit as ever. And so why wouldn't he be the favorite to win every tournament? Okay. Before we go to break, I saw on social media, Matt's that there was some outrage by tennis fans that Simone Biles won female athlete of the year. I don't know if it was sports illustrated or the AP or whatever it was, but, but, but there was a big award for female uh, athlete of the year that Coco Goff didn't win that and that Simone Biles did. Now, Simone Biles during 2023 became the most decorated gymnast in the history of the sport. But obviously, there are people out there that took that U.S. Open to mean that Coco Golf is now suddenly the next Serena Williams. And you and I both know that one Grand Slam title does not a Serena Williams career make. That said, do you feel optimism about Coco Golf going into 2024? Or do you feel like, unlike Novak Djokovic, she is going to feel the pressure of expectations based on the way she finished the year? So I think she's felt expectations and pressure her, her whole life. I think she's used to that. And I think... And now I'm speaking from my own experience. I never really thought I was going to win a Grand Slam tournament. That wasn't my idea of turning pro. Turning pro meant I'm trying to pay my own bills, trying to make a bit of money so I can travel the world and do what I love to do. And I think there's two ways you can go. There, Of course, we have a lot of one-hit wonders that win one uh, and then suddenly, like a Dominic team, yes, he got injured in his wrist, but also he even said it, he lost a little bit of motivation. I lost some motivation when I became number one in the world. Uh, and, and even though I won seven before, I couldn't win any more after that. So we don't know. But I think for Coco Goff, 
the monkey's off her back. She has won a Grand Slam. She won the U.S. Open. She didn't play an absolute brilliant tournament uh, or at least a brilliant final, but she managed to win even though she has so much more game than she showed. But that's irrelevant. So I think she, what she's shown, she's a fighter. She's never going to hit the ball as well as Serena Williams. She's not going to hit winners and hit aces, but she's going to fight and she's going to fight for everything. I think that she's going to be more relaxed at the same time as way more confident when she gets up against the best players in the world. Because as simple as that, she has won her first Grand Slam. I think the second one is going to come much easier in her own mind than the first one came. Is she the best mover on the women's tour? She is, I think. I think Iga Swantek, uh was the best mover because of the way that, that she works really hard. She takes a lot of short steps. and uh, um, But I think Coco Goff, she floats on the court. She's a gymnast at the same time. She's a sprinter at the same time. She seems to be incredibly flexible. Uh, sort of like a Kim Kleisters at certain situations. Ah. And then the attitude. The attitude is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and uh, one of the most talked about young teenage athletes in, in American sports history, I would think. And she delivered. And I can't think of any player I would rather see win the Australian Open and start adding them up because she deserves it. Um, the whole having a parents travel with her to most tournaments, that's working out. Uh, and uh, she just seems to be so grounded when she's on the court and off the court. So really good luck to Coco. And I, I, I'm really hoping that she, she wins another slam right now. All right, we're going to go to break now. And when we come back, we're going outside the box with Kick Serve Rocks. We are so excited that Kevin Cronin is not just our friend, Mats. He's our teammate. And he's going to be joining our show from time to time. He's a busy man because REO Speedwagon still tours the world. And, uh, and he's still very good at what he does. But he has become a great, great friend and, and bandmate of ours, if you will. And he joins us next on the season debut, the 2024 debut of KickServeRadio.com. Kevin Cronin joins us next. Johnny Levine will be with us after that. Do not go away. Hey, tennis fans, it's Sarah Z here, and I want to make sure that you've got the BNP Paribas open on your travel radar. March 6th through 17th at the Indian Wells Gardens. Go to BNPParibasOpen.com and make your plans today. It is a tennis extravaganza you don't want to miss. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, everybody. KickServeRadio.com, part of Tennis Channel Podcast Network. And as promised, KickServeRadio.com is going outside the box with KickServe Rocks. And you know what that means. Of course, I'm joined by Mats Vlander, And now, as promised, the rock part of KickServe Rocks is none other than REO Speedwagon frontman Kevin Cronin, who has Join the show, albeit on a limited basis, as he is a very busy man. Mats, before we go to Kevin, we had the opportunity to see his residency show at the Venetian in the theater there. How big time did those guys kill it? Oh, unbelievable. I mean, I know that Kevin now is sitting here listening, so maybe we should we should tone it down. But it's <laughs> so much fun. Uh, first of all, it's a great show. And and Kevin, to see you at the front having as much fun as you were seemed like you were having being that involved. And not that you're old, but you're older than me. But uh, at your age, to love something that much, uh, we got some great photos with my friend Tim Brown, and you can see the, the the real passion for what you're doing. And then, of course, like you said, Kevin, once people, well, don't forget, people come to see Ario Speedwagon. They're all our fans. They're not going to boo us no matter what we do. But to to be that engaged at your age after so many years, 
that's when us athletes get really jealous, I would say. So, yeah, Andy, it was an unbelievable weekend. Uh, and I'm going to search him out, Kevin. I'm coming to see you again at some point. Hey, man, I was psyched that you guys showed up because, you, you know, it's like we've talked about this before, how, you know, everybody wants to do the thing that they can't do as well as the guy who they're talking to who can, you know what I mean? And uh, so, you know, when, when, when I heard you were coming and Andy was coming, I was stoked. And, you know, the, the joy that you see is the joy that I'm feeling. And, you know, I see that when I watch, when I watch a professional tennis match, I can feel the, the intensity of the, of the moments in, in the matches and, and the joy when you, when you hit a great, or the, the long rally and you fight back, and you hit that winner it's just like yes you know and so we we all know that feeling and it's it's you know at that level it's it's even even more amazing so it was it was great to see both of you guys well and in fact matt's i'm just glad that by being there that you know that it, we didn't make kevin too nervous by us knowing that we were out in the crowd now you you that too <laughs> you guys have got both got some pretty cool things coming up and two things i would love to be at but i won't be at either Matt's in February, you're going to be going out to Luxembourg and you've been doing this event for, for a while now. Um, but you're just as much of a rock star in your own right at your age. Uh, and you guys, and, and you're younger than me. Um, but you're going to be playing doubles with David Ferrer, who at your request against Tommy Haas and maybe the ultimate showman in the history of tennis, Monsoor Barami. So when Kevin goes on stage and still feels that, that energy rush, when you go out on the court with these guys, how much blood's pumping through your veins, even for a fun exhibition deal like that? Oh, no, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I get incredibly nervous, first of all. Uh, it helps to play doubles. And, uh, and actually, uh, I've played this exhibition in Luxembourg. It's always been a couple of weeks after the U.S. Open uh, in the past. But this year, they thought we'd do it after the Australian Open. And, and I specifically asked to play doubles with David Ferrer. He's a Spanish player. He made the finals of the French Open. And in, if tennis was measured in how much you weigh and how tall you are and then how you fulfill your potential to the absolute maximum, David Ferrer would be the world champion in tennis, most probably of all time, because he's got an, he had an amazing attitude. He's a great guy. And I fell in love with him a long, long time ago. And, and I thought, oh, he looks like a good player. He got to three in the world and he was threatening uh, Nadal and these guys at his best. And I specifically asked to play with him. And of course, for him and Kevin, maybe it's the same for you because you once in our previous show, you said something about Stephen Stills, that you have a picture or, or something or a message from Stephen Stills and you look at it and it's sort of the, for, for David Ferrer, it might be a little bit like that because obviously I want want quite a lot more than David Ferrer. But for me, this is like I'm playing with one of the legends of our sport and not many people, if you're outside the game, know that. So I am Yes, really nervous. I'm going to practice extremely hard for the week before I actually have a friend flying in. And then we got Tommy Haas. Tommy Haas, of course, the tournament director of Indian Wells, who hasn't stopped, hasn't slowed down a bit. One of the most natural players in the world uh, and fun to play against because he understands the exhibition part. And his partner, Mansoor Barami, who hits tennis balls between between the legs, between behind oh, his head, God. between his ears. I mean, he's just a magician. <laughs> So it's kind of like you're playing in a band, which is what I like, is I have a role. My role is, uh, okay, so I'm the most winningest of all the four players, but my legacy as a tennis player is to not make mistakes. Matt doesn't miss. So I have to go into these matches. That's what they expect from me. When you go and buy a ticket to see a 60-year-old Matt Wielander, you're going to see him not make mistakes. So my role is just to set the guys up, don't make any mistakes and uh, and hopefully don't trip when I run for one of the drop shots that Mansur Barami hits all the time. This is my Venetian. Kevin, you play at the Venetian in Las Vegas. I go to Luxembourg and play in this little sports arena. So it's the biggest event that I play in front of people, Andy, the whole year and has been for a few years. Okay, a couple things real quick before I go to you, Kevin. But first of all, if we're talking about David Ferrer as being, I would call it, as you're describing it, Matt's, the best player pound for pound, he he still ranks b b behind you. 
Sorry. <laughs> I mean, for what you've done, David Ferrer wishes that he was like trying to be the next Mats Vlander. So let's just call that what it is. Now, as far as being a showman, I would say that Monsieur Barami is the biggest showman on the court. That being said, I would say Tommy Haas, for his age, is the guy most likely not to have a shirt on at any point in time, whether on the court, <laughs> off the court, and rightfully so when you see Tommy Haas, you would understand why he makes that choice. Okay, now, Kevin, you've got a very, you've always got a bunch of very exciting events, but in particular, you started when we, before we went on air, you were talking to Matt's about a concert that you guys just did in LA, which is just an absolute star studded affair, which had me and Matt's both like going out of our mind of, Oh my God, how cool was that? Talk about it. Well, it's a, a, you know, our, our friend Jim Ursay, who's the owner of the Indianapolis Colts football team. So he comes into town. He's, got a house band that, that that he pulls together with Kenny Wayne Shepherd on guitar, Mike Mills from R.E.M. on bass, uh, oh Kenny Arnoff and Mike Wanchik from John Mellencamp's band. It's just this amazing 12-piece band. And then he brings four or five guys like myself who have, who, you know, who are kind of front men singers, had some hits. So uh, for this one, it was uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. Oh, Ann Wilson from Heart, Peter Wolf from the Jay Giles Band, myself, and my all-time musical hero, Stephen Stills, who is just, for me, just, you know, being on the same stage as Stephen is amazing. And the last one of these things we did, or actually was the first one I did, was right after David Crosby passed away. Mm. And Stephen and I did a duet on Almost Cut My Hair. So I can, I can wow. die happy. <laughs> well, Matt's based on what we saw from Kevin on stage, it doesn't look like he's going anytime soon. He looks fitter than ever. When you, as a senior level tennis player, see a guy like Kevin at, at, at his age doing what he's doing on stage, how inspiring is that for you when you go onto the slopes in Idaho or go onto the tennis court or the golf course to be the best you can be at an age that, that you've gotten to be right now. Does watching a guy like Kevin perform inspire you? Well, that's what musicians do. I mean, in general, I've always said that. I think being a musician, and Kevin, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I always said it must be the greatest job in the world. Maybe not all the time, but but at times, because they're all, you guys always seem happy. Uh, and I know I'm sure that sometimes you have to bluff your way through certain shows or whatever, but it doesn't seem like it to us. So to have these David Ferrer, Tommy Haas, Mansour Brown, and John McEnroe, it makes, again, like I said, it, it's the closest that I'm ever going to get to play in a band. But being in a serious band because we honestly, we don't care who wins, but we are really, really keen to make it good entertainment. Entertainment. It's all, everything is about the fan. It's not about us. It's about the fan having a great time and about the fan uh, buying a ticket for next year because this thing has been going for 25 years and Mansur Barami has done all of them. So hopefully I can hang in there for another 10 years. But nice. yeah, it's just inspiring to see people, Kevin, like you, that, that clearly love what you do. But um, it's, um, it's contagious. Now, let me ask you this, Kevin. When, when, when we met... I think it was because you were so inspired by what you saw from one of the older players on the tour, Stan Wawrinka. If Stan Wawrinka does not beat Holger Runa on Monday at Indian Wells last year, the three of us are not here right now, but but we got a hold of Greg Sharko, who got you on the phone with Stan Wawrinka. Talk about that conversation with you and Stan, because I know you guys were having fun, but we've never really talked about what you said and what he said. Well, I, if I remember correctly, what I what I wanted to share with him was that as a part of the seniors tour of of rock and roll, I just wanted Stan to know that he inspired me. I was I was rooting for him. He won the first set, lost the second set in a tie break, and I'm like, oh man, come on, hang in there, dude, you can do this, you know. And so for him to win that match. And just to hang in there and be such a gentleman about it. And I just wanted to let him know that there were people in that crowd that were not only pulling for him, but were just 
just inspired by him and that I just wanted to tell him, Stan, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're, you're great. And we all need to hear that. You know, everybody thinks, oh, you know, Stan's a big champion. He, he knows how good he is. It's like, well, yeah, he probably has an idea, but he doesn't know the effect that he might have had on someone who was watching that match. He, he doesn't know that, you know, and so that's that was my thing. I just wanted to connect with him and uh, and hey, AZ set it up and here we are. Now I'm friends with Matt Willander. Come on. <laughs> well, and, and so in March, we will be one year removed from that uh, incredible day for me and, and for my wife. So we're we're all we're all going back out there, you know, and uh, so it's going to be great to see you out there and. Who knows what might happen that week? It, it could get a little crazy that weekend. I heard that Matt's might be coming down to the BMP for some to have a little fun, and and I, you know, I hope we run into him down there, AZ. I mean, I, it's there's nothing for sure, but it would sure be great if the three of us bumped into each other somewhere, uh, you know, over that weekend. You know what I'm saying? Stranger things have happened, is all I can say. It could and, happen. It could happen. It could happen. Wouldn't it be great, though, to, to, to do something in any way else? Or, I don't know, Andy, maybe you have something up your sleeve. Maybe some kind of, you like to do these podcasts live in front of a live audience. Who knows? But There could be I'm, some music oh, involved. There could maybe, be some music and some tennis intersecting, possibly, potentially. Well, I, can, I can say this. Anybody, I, uh, the only time I talk about my tennis, it's, it's, it's certainly not by by the you know factor that I ever did anything as a player, but I always did like to work the angles. If there's one thing I ever did as a tennis player and a human being, it is that I work the angles to the, to the best of my ability on the court and off. So let's see what, what, what that leads to. If anything, in the meantime, Kevin, you are a busy man and uh, you got a lot to prepare for. You know, I know you've been working with Richard Marks a little bit lately and, and you got concerts and you got, when are you going to be in Vegas again in case anybody wants to maybe look out a little ways to, to catch that show that Matt's and I were so fortunate to have seen. Yeah, the the uh, the residency went well back in November, and the uh, the Venetian is bringing us back. We're we're booked for two more uh, residencies. One is in May, uh, like kind of early May ish, and then another one in early October. But before I go, yes. and forgive me if I told you the story, but I don't think I did. But of course, I knew of Matt, you know, from back in the day. But I didn't, I hadn't heard the story about your first French Open until you and I met. And when I heard that story, it was so inspiring. And a decision like that, like you made at that, that moment, Matt, in your first French Open to actually choose being truthful and fair over what over winning the entire tournament, you, you took a chance that maybe you weren't going to win it, but you did the right thing. And, and I just love that about you. And it just, you know, something like that defines your, your life as a, not only as a tennis player, but as a human being. And just to be clear, the match that, that Kevin's talking about, cause we didn't mention it specifically was the semifinal match against Jose Luis Clerc, who was, four, five in the world at the time, one of the best clay quarters in the world, uh, maybe second best to Guillermo Vilas, who, by the way, Mats would end up beating in that final in 1982. But Mats at a match point, Clerk hit a ball that was called out. Mats motioned to the umpire, no, I think that ball was good. And that is what Kevin is referring to, and it still goes down to this day as one of the greatest uh, moments of a player showing incredible sportsmanship on the tennis court that we've ever seen. So that's that's what the reference was. A 17-year-old kid normally takes the trophy and maybe doesn't mention it to the chair on, but you did it. So I was so blown away by that. And I was, and it was just a, a few days later that I was thinking about that. I was thinking, usually people's careers or lives are defined by something horrible that they do. Usually if you get caught doing something, it's you got caught cheating. But in your case, you got caught playing fair. And I thought, caught playing fair. That's a song right there. <laughs> wow. All I can say is Billie Jean King move over. You're not the only tennis legend that had a rock and roll legend write a song for you. Cause as we all know, Elton John wrote Philadelphia freedom for Billie Jean King and now caught playing fair. Kevin Cronin's tribute to Matt's V Lander. Now that is epic. That yeah. is epic. 
to be honest um at the time there was no other choice because i i uh i was 17 and i actually thought i was going to win the match anyway but there was just no ch- no chance that that it wouldn't go that way i think a lot of players would have done the same thing but i was the lucky one to be at the right place at the right time and it, it, it's not i'm not blowing smoke up my my own you, you know what but uh i think there was a bit of luck there like you know, is, I can't still. win like that. Yeah, a bit of luck. I was it was a coincidence. I just can't win like that. Maybe a day later, I might maybe uh, the point would have played out slightly differently. It maybe wouldn't have been so clear to me that it was good when the umpire called it out. All right, so Kevin, I am no songwriter, but I got one. I got one line for that song. Okay, let's hear. It. And that is, some might call it luck, but I call it karma. Okay. Right, because he's saying he was lucky, and I say it was the karma of making the decision. So something along those lines were, because yeah. he's saying, and as he's talking about how lucky he was, no, 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 he made his own luck that day. Some call it luck. I'd say it's karma. It's so true. You know, you when, when you do the right thing, it's, it is. It's karma. And, it's, and I was so inspired by that. I just thought, I think it's such a great story. And, you know, along with your seven major championships, you know, you're also a beloved person in the world of tennis. And, and it started right there. Thank you so much, Kevin. Thank you so much. We love you. And we so appreciate having you as part of our family. I know Tennis Channel as a whole feels the same way and uh and we do look forward to catching up and watching a little tennis together in march at the bnp all right you guys great seeing you happy belated new year and we'll see each other again soon hi guys sarah z here with a kick serve quick serve with my friend and nutrition guru courtney ward with body fuse courtney As we ladies start to get, oh, shall I say, more advanced or more experienced in our life, how about just body weight and body maintenance? That for me is becoming, I I think, tougher by the day. Boy, you're not alone. And along with our sports performance line, BodyFuse also offers a full weight loss line. And we have a fantastic product called Purify, which kickstarts your weight loss. It's a GI detox. It's a water cut as well. So it's really great for bloating, irregularity, um, and people love it to kickstart a weight loss program. And then with that, we couple a product called Blackwall Shredded, kind of a cool name. It's a daytime thermogenic um, and also has a nootropic in it. It's not super high stimulant, but it's just a, a good mental focus. And it just basically kickstarts your metabolic rate. So that's a daytime thermogenic. We also offer a nighttime thermogenic called Midnight Burn. And this has melatonin and GABA as well as a thermogenic. So it kind of continues that metabolic rate uh, bump, if you will. So that these three products are, are sort of like the magic trinity. I don't want to say magic pills because there's no such thing, but midnight burn at night, blackwall shredded in the day, uh, and then purify to kind of kickstart your system and clean out your GI tracts. And in addition, purify along with the detox, it allows us to start absorbing nutrients a little bit more efficiently as well. So those three products are just a fantastic trio and very, very popular. Fantastic. And one more time, Body Fuse, bodyfuseusa.com. Well, I'm Sarah Z. She's Courtney with Body Fuse. And now back to more tennis talk with the Kickserve Radio Boys. Welcome back, everybody. This is the debut for 2024 of kickserveradio.com, and we are part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, and as promised, our Longhorn All-American Johnny Levine joins me now, and it's so great to get together. We had to kind of do things a little bit separated. Matt's and I did a segment. Matt's and Kevin Cronin and I, Johnny, spoke about some fun things, and I want to talk to you about what to look for from some of the up-and-coming American players, what your levels of optimism or maybe pessimism are towards some of these men and and ladies players. And then I want to talk a little bit about your pride and joy, which is the Arizona Tennis Classic, which is coming up before we know it. First of all, Happy New Year. Welcome back to the show. It's always great to get together. Here's Johnny. Good to be with you. 
Great to be with you. And Johnny, you've always got a lot invested in American players. What I want to start out with is I want to kind of name these guys in pairs. And I want you to tell me who you expect more from in 2024. And I want to start with the top two ranked guys, which are Taylor Fritz and Francis TFO. Well, I'm going to I'm going to break that up right out of the gate and say Ben Shelton, because Ben Shelton is the guy that uh, I know you talk about, Fritz, you talk about TFO and all these other boys who are great. But I would be remiss not to come right out and say that my guy and my U.S. hope is Ben Shelton unequivocally top five. He's headed there. He's headed to win a slam. And um, I think we have a lot to look forward to with Ben Shelton. One of the guys that we compared Shelton to favorably or unfavorably, however you want to look at it, Johnny, um, was was Dennis Shapovalov because he kind of hit the ground running early in his career. The big lefty game, fearless off the ground, lots of weapons, lots of flash. And we've seen the same from Shelton. What is it that you see in Ben that you think maybe has him zig where maybe Dennis zagged and maybe he goes in a direction that we expected Dennis to go, which was, you know, on a collision course with the top 10 or even five. Why do you like Ben's chances of not flaming? I'm not saying Shapovalov has flamed out, but I don't think he's reached the expectations that we maybe had of him early in his career. What I see in Ben Shelton that I, that I don't see in, in Dennis is the athleticism. I, I just think he is a superior athlete. He's, one of the best athletes on the tour, um, and and I and so I and I also think that Ben Shelton has has a better upfront game. I think he can volley better. I think he's naturally better at serving and volleying. Uh, he's coached by his dad, who understands you know the forward thinking game. And I also see the forehand. I see just a humongous weapon on that forehand. Ben Shelton, I just like the fact that he is right now. He's twenty one years old. Um, so he's just got everything ahead of him. Uh, you know, Dennis is 24 and we talk about Fritz. We talk about Paul. Uh, we talk about TFO and these guys are 25, 26. So, and, and, and Shelton is beating these guys right now at 21 years old. He's only been on the tour a year and a half. So I just think the sky's the limit for Ben Shelton. One of the things you mentioned, Johnny, that, that speaks favorably to Shelton's chances is his lineage. He is the son of a coach. And that always helps a guy play smart tennis and be a little more measured emotionally, perhaps because his father has has been down that road to some extent before, which then leads me to, to, to Sebastian Corda, which now we're finally starting to see at least a stretch of good health for Sebi Corda, obviously the son of Petter Corda and the younger brother of, you know, perhaps the best ladies golfer in the world, two of the best golfers in the world and and Nelly and Jessica Corda. So with, with, with Sebastian Corda now, hopefully keep our fingers crossed, staying healthy. Where does he figure into, um, you know, this group of American players in terms of your level of optimism? Yeah, I think Corda um, is, is right after Shelton. I mean, I think he's young guy that, um, has a ton of potential. He's 23 years old. He's he's got a, a fantastic game all around. Doesn't have a major weakness. Knows he you know he just needs to get that extra level of confidence that Ben Shelton has already got, which means that he believes he can beat the top guys. I I, I just think a lot of of his game, and I think he is definitely going to be a top ten guy like Ben Shelton for sure. Last guy I want to ask you about is a guy that we all fell in love with at the Arizona Tennis Classic back in 2022. He's really broken through. He was a quarterfinalist at the Australian Open last year, and that's J.J. Wolf. And he's he's had some up and down results, which would stand to reason because he's a real high-risk, high-reward player. But we saw a lot from him last year. What is it, Johnny, that you think J.J. needs a little bit more of or maybe a little bit less of? for his results to be a little bit more consistently toward that of maybe a top 20 or 25 guy. Yeah. I mean, he's got the potential, Andy. I think JJ Wolf has got a big serve. He's got a big forehand. He's got a really nice game. He's a pretty athletic guy, not the fastest guy. He's kind of a bit bulkier. I just don't know that he's got the mentality 
to be a top 10 guy. And he's also 25 years old. So he's been out there a little longer. Mm-hmm. And sure, can he get to top 20? Absolutely. But I think that it's going to be he's going to be more of a of a 30 to 60 guy just based on you know his all-around game not being quite the level of the of the Corda or the or the Shelton or the or the or the Tommy Paul. Okay, so let's look at the women's side and obviously Coco Goff's year speaks for itself, as does Jesse Pagula's for that matter. But what, who I want to start with is Madison Keys. Because having been out there yourself and having had some great results and some tough losses, you you know what it's like to experience something similar to what Madison Keys experienced in the semifinals of the U.S. Open last year, when for all the world she was having her way with Arena Sabalenka, only to let that match get away up like six one five three. I mean, she was all but ninety percent in the finals of the U.S. Open and lets that one get away at, at her age, and she's been out there a while. Is that a match? Is that a result that she is going to be able to shake off? Or do you see that as being something that kind of haunts her this year and creeps into the back of her mind at the worst possible times in some of these big matches? I, I don't think it will haunt her, Andy. I, I really don't. I mean, it was an opportunity to get back in the final, but it, you know, it would be different if it was the final, I think. You know, she's sitting at 18 in the world right now. She's got a huge game, and if she's on – she can literally beat anyone, and we've seen it. And so I think she's a little streaky, but but for her to stay consistently in the top twenty, I think is is a great great would be a great win for her. Igor Svantec plays Sophia Kennan, a former Australian Open champion, in the first round of the Australian Open. Kennan is making a comeback, as is Jen Brady. Of those two who have had great results, Brady, a former finalist at the Aussie Open in her own right. Um, both are fierce competitors and players that American tennis fans, tennis fans around the world really love to watch and to root for. But of those two, from what you have seen, who would you expect maybe to have the better year in 24 between Brady and Kennan? When you talk about Sophia Kennan and you talk about Jen Brady, you know, both great players. Kennan has won the Australian Open. Brady has been to the finals of the Australian Open. Two, two tremendous ball strikers uh i i think that brady has had a little bit of a a slower road to get back you know from her injuries i think sophia kinnon you know had some issues here and there you know off the court but but she has shown that uh she's coming back strong i mean she's currently 38 in the world she's had some nice wins i think uh you know pressure's off her a little bit right now so i think that it's going to be a quicker uh, way back for for Sophia Kennan to, to potentially reach the top 20 and even maybe higher than Jen Brady. I, I wouldn't rule Jen Brady out, but um, I, I need you're probably going to need to give her another 18 months where I think in the next six to, to nine months, you're going to see a good rise from Sophia Kennan. Before we switch gears, we, of course, always want to give some shameless Longhorn love out, and we hope to see another great year and continued improvement from our girl Peyton Stearns, who was an NCAA champion from the University of Texas, who had a terrific year and some great wins in her own right last year. Okay, now let's turn to your tournament, which is the Arizona Tennis Classic, which is really you know one of the premier challengers, if not the premier challenger, and I'm quoting some of the uh, – some of the umpires and and a lot of the players that have come there and you just put on such a great show. And I say that because I think that people that have been going to Indian Wells for quite some time that are looking for another uh, alternative to that, that want to come and see as every bit as high a level of tennis, as far as I'm concerned, uh, come to the, the Phoenix country club in the second week of March to see your tournament last year, Johnny, the cutoff was 77. You had Monfils in the draw. You have Berrettini for a return engagement in the draw. Diego Schwartzman. So you're getting some household names, but you're also seeing that next generation of Alexander Kovacevic and Nuno Borges and and uh, and, and and Alexander Shevchenko who made the final. I mean, it's such a great mix of veterans and younger up and coming players. I'm sure you're expecting the same this year. Yes, we are. We won't see the player field list until, you know, three, four weeks prior to the event, which starts March 11th will be the 
first day on a Monday, we start with qualifying rounds. And then Tuesday, March 12th, will be a mix of the last round qualities and some of the start of the first round matches. But because of the way we sit on the calendar, as you know, Andy, you've got a lot of top guys, a lot of foreign guys that have time between Indian Wells and Miami, and they they want match play. They want to have opportunity for prize money. They don't want to sit for two, three weeks in practice. They'd rather play competitive events. So we 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 naturally get a, just a tremendous field. And then, of course, guys that are 11 through, let's say, 30 in the world that might not make it to the third round of Indian Wells that want more competitive match play potentially could get a wild card because we have three wild cards that we hold until – uh, right before the tournament to try to get the highest ranked players. So we follow the Indian Wells drop very closely to see who might become available. One of the things that's underrated, and I'm not going to allow this go unmentioned because it's too important because people love watching doubles so much. And although you can't legally, I guess if that's the right word, get top 10 in the world singles players, Anybody can come to this tournament and play in the doubles. In the first year you had it, you had Jamie Murray and Neil Skupski, who are like just as likely to win a Grand Slam as as anybody else in the world right now. They won the tournament that first year in 2019. You had Metkic and Pavic play. You've had uh, uh, Rajiv Ram has played there. Austin Krychek, who just finished 2023 as the number one ranked doubles player in the world, has been there a couple of times. So in the doubles in particular, that's where you can get a field at a challenger that's just as likely to have two teams in the finals as might play in the next major final. Yes, for sure. I mean, the doubles guys are certainly players that are looking to play week in and week out. They're not as concerned about taking a week off to get rest. I mean, the doubles is, is, is doesn't take the toll that the singles does. So they're looking to play as many weeks as possible. And so we do get a tremendous doubles field and and that's something that i think the fans appreciate and love you know the doubles play and the excitement that that brings johnny the tournament is the 11th through the 17th of march and if somebody wanted to plan a trip down there is there a website they can go to and purchase tickets and start getting their plans made right away they can get to the website we'll be updating it uh daily and it's arizonatennisclassic.com January 15th, there will be a link on that website. That's when the tickets go on sale. There will be individual tickets, packages throughout the week that will include day and evening sessions. We will have, um, you know, some upgrades to the event through the the stadium seating. We're going to do nicer stadium seating and a nicer VIP section. And so there'll be some nice upgrades. And uh, I think it's a highlight for tennis in, in Phoenix, Arizona. I know I look forward to it. I appreciate the fact that you let me have a little bit of fun with those player intros and post-match interviews. I so love doing that. So thank you very much. The hospitality that you've offered. If you're telling me you're going to upgrade it, I don't know what you're going to upgrade it to, because as far as I'm concerned, it's been first class since day one. You, You don't take anything on if you don't do it first class. So I look forward to the tournament and I hope we continue to get, uh, those crowds to keep growing, but it is really so well supported by that Arizona tennis community. So Johnny, that is our debut show. Thanks so much for coming. We're going to be having a great year this year. Look forward to working with you again. And, and on behalf of Longhorn legend, Johnny Levine, international tennis hall of famer, Matt Svelander and Ario Speedwagon frontman Kevin Cronin, who helps us with our kick serve rocks segments. You'll be hearing it from him. Every so often with our show, we're very excited about 2024. This is Tennis Channel Podcast Network's KickServeRadio.com. Have a great year, everybody, and enjoy that Aussie Open. <laughs>